In a world of what are yous, welcome to the place where the answer is always human. My name is Natalie and you're listening to Some Kind of Brown, a podcast about mixed and multiracial life, current events, and ways to build the best life by a southern girl who's trying to figure it out for herself. True crime fans, have you listened to Wine and Crime yet? We're a true crime comedy podcast hosted by three childhood friends who chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash our worst Minnesotan accents. Each week, us gals pick a true crime topic and pair it with a delicious wine before delving into the background and psychology behind the crime. Then we share and speculate wildly about a couple of bonkers cases related to the topic. Past episodes include necrophilia, cults, crimes of passion, cruise ship disappearances, exorcisms gone wrong, all this over a bottle of wine, or let's be real, three. Listen anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Wine and Crime Pod, and check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. Cheers! Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Some Kind of Brown. Today we have a very special guest because we are talking about a topic that is very important, I think. Something that everyone cares about a lot, especially in the Black community, that people outside of the community may not realize is such a big deal. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, my name is Shade, and I guess I'm talking about my natural hair. Yes, so we are both Black women, mm-hmm. and you are not mixed, which yeah. helps me because, so again, sometimes as a mixed woman, I have a different experience with hair than you would, per se, but we both maybe grew up with the same salon culture. Sure, yes, yeah. <laughs> which is always good memories. Yeah, that is something I definitely want to get into because today I do not go to salons And yeah, we could get into it. (laughs) (laughs) If you're unfamiliar, Black people kind of unite around a few things that are kind of used stereotypically sometimes, but really exist. We have food, Mm -hmm. we have dancing, Mm -hmm. and we have barbershop or salon culture. And these are the things that are, I don't know how unique per se they are, but it's a very crucial element of growing up as a black person is seeing all the aunties and everyone working in the hair shop. And that's where you get your cultural influences sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, when I was younger, I was used to going to salons here and there. I didn't go regularly, which I think in some households would be odd. A lot of times my mom would do my hair. Yeah. So in between that, if she wasn't doing my hair, then I would go to a salon. So it wasn't like a regular occurrence that I went like every month or every other month. Sometimes it would be like I would go three times a year maybe. But yeah, my experience was more when I was younger versus now today where I think my hair approach is very lazy. (laughs) So (laughs) my hair approach is very like, oh, I'm just going to do this all by myself. (laughs) 
but when I was younger going to the salon, like I grew up in Sacramento, which is a predominantly white city. And so most of the time, like when I went to the salon, that's when I saw like majority of black people in my life when I was young. As far as learning about my hair at a young age, you know, I would get my hair relaxed and so like chemically straightened. Yep. And my idea of my hair at the time was, oh, I have to get it straightened. Like, I I never thought, oh, what would happen if I didn't get it straightened? (laughs) Like, you know, like, I just thought, oh, no, this is what you're supposed to do. And then other thing is my mom would use home relaxers. The kits that you buy at the store? Exactly. Okay. Which would lead to a lot of breakage. But I think my mom's hair knowledge was, oh, well, how am I going to do your hair unless it's straight? (laughs) so I would end up getting like braids I would do cornrows I would do different styles but it always had to be at least relaxed before that happened and so I think my mom like I've never asked her but I'm assuming and I think a lot of parents experience this too when they're doing hair they're like oh this is difficult yes especially with black or some mixed hair yeah, with I would say my hair pattern is 4C. I'm assuming most people who are listening might be familiar, but in case you're not, that would be like, I guess, the most coily, like zigzag curl pattern. Very dense, too. Exactly. And it's also like really fragile. So it can, I guess I also have low porosity. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's so any kind of chemical is going to very easily damage your hair. Yes. And also maintaining moisture. Mm -hmm. I have to really make sure I'm looking into the products. I think everybody has to. But for me, I guess my big chop happened when I was like 22, 23, and I'm 30. So I've only really experienced my like natural curl pattern for like seven years now. (laughs) Before we go too far, since you mentioned the big chop, not everyone knows what the big chop is. Okay. For people who have relaxed their hair, just for you guys listening, a lot of us who have had relaxed hair and have had damage from it and choose to go natural, we have to do something. Well, you don't have to. The easier way to get your hair back to its natural state is to just cut it all off Mm. and you just let it grow out from there. Some people choose to transition. Yeah. I chose to do the big chop when I was 20 or so. Okay. And I did not know what my natural hair looked like because I asked for relaxers when I was probably six Mm. because I went to an all white school Mm -hmm. for kindergarten and the majority of those early elementary years and there was a boy who liked me and you know that whole stupid culture of if they pull your hair make fun of you it's because they like you yeah that's horrible (laughs) yeah it is horrible and people encourage it so uh, he used to call me spaghetti head because in the 90s there weren't a lot of products for curly hair yeah yeah you had mousse and you had pink oil oh Mm -hmm. the pink oil Mm-hmm. and oh my gosh what's that black gel stuff oh i don't know i know what you're talking about though i'm telling you if you were black or mixed with black in the 90s you will know the smell yeah and scent yeah. of that black goo <laughs> that has been in your hair. yeah i think for me a lot of the products i ended up using too were specifically related to relaxed hair mm-hmm. as well so like Gosh, I don't remember what it was called, but it came in like a gold bottle with like a red cap and had like red writing on it. 
I feel oh, like it was, oh 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 i know what you're talking about yeah i i apologize i don't remember these names but like i can describe the bottles <laughs> um but it was like something that you would use with specifically relaxed hair yes and it's so funny you grew up in sacramento i grew up in hot springs arkansas that's how little <laughs> products were available at the time that we were using the same I, I know if there are times where i'm like oh okay when i go to target and i think they've even rebranded it because they used to say like ethnic hair yep and they used yep. to have like a corner and i think now oh what does it say now i think it might say curly hair or maybe it says textured i, I don't know what it says textured would make sense yeah i think it says something like that because they've rebranded realizing like oh maybe we shouldn't say ethnic hair and now it's like almost the entire aisle what yeah i live in the bay area so i mean there are definitely more black people here than they were in sacramento (laughs) but the target that i go to you know, I think it's a pretty diverse area because there's a lot of people from different places around here. Mm. Maybe that's why they dedicate three fourths of the aisle. That's insane. I'm so jealous. <laughs> when I think about it, when I was young, I was like, this did not exist. Literally, when I was young, it was a shelf. <laughs> I feel like yeah. that's an old person saying, like, back in my day, you know? <laughs> like, uh, that's another thing for listeners who are outside of the country or inside and in areas where you don't see this as often Mm -hmm. things have changed extremely quickly with black or mixed with black hair care i feel like there was a period of two Mm -hmm. years and the range of products just exploded yeah i think the market if you're looking at it maybe from like a cynical point I think a lot of companies are like, oh, we can make money. Probably. But I think the positive viewpoint of it is people are like, oh, we need, people need these products. Yeah. And a lot of them are black owned too. Yeah. Which is great. And I think there has been some controversy with some products like Shea Moisture. Oh my gosh. (laughs) If you guys don't know about it, Shea Moisture has been a company that at least touted to come from a certain person. And this is a recipe that this person used to sell Mm -hmm. for Black people. And then last year or a couple years ago, all of a sudden they started being like, for everyone, for white people too. And for us, it was like, uh, we only have like six brands. Could you please not? Yeah. From my knowledge, I believe they may have sold to a large, I, I don't remember the company, like L'Oreal no. or something. They, so they sold. And then when they sold, they kind of rebranded. And so some of their marketing was like, it's hair for everyone. And I was using their products because finding the right products for me has been difficult. Yeah, it's hard for all of us. <laughs> yeah. So when I finally found something, I was like, oh, great. And then I did notice after maybe like a few months later, it wasn't working. Yep. Even like different shampoos and conditioners, you're supposed to change it up because your hair could get used to it. So that could happen. But it does seem like specifically something changed with their formula. Oh, no, they did change the formulas of most of their products. I was following the controversy. A lot of black YouTubers or mixed YouTubers Mm -hmm. with natural hair always used Shea Moisture or had it as one of their favorites. And a lot of people Mm. compared the new ones to the old ones. And they reformulated to be uh, more suitable for, I, I don't know how to say this in a 
tactful way. They reformulated the product for white people. Yeah. Who need less moisture and less of the ingredients that made Shea Moisture special for us. And so now it doesn't work and we need to use other products. I use Cantu now. Okay. Here's the thing. The thing that's very interesting. I've recently started using a low porosity product that's from Shea Moisture. Oh. After I was like, well, great. Now I need to find something else. I ultimately circled back to their low porosity products, which I'm assuming the formula is meant for. Delicate hair. That's my assumption. At least I Mm. know it's working well with my hair. Well, that's good. (laughs) Yeah. So that's the thing that's so interesting with that journey, because I'm sure many people can relate or maybe it's just been my struggle. I don't know. But finding the right product and then maintaining with that product has been so difficult with me. There are times where I'm like, oh, this product is great. And then it flakes horribly or something. Oh, no, it's not just you. Okay. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Okay. I love this product. It's giving me so much moisture. I feel like maybe even some of my curls are more defined. This is great. Mm -hmm. And then it's just horrible product buildup. Oh, yeah. It just depends. So when you find something that works, it's like, I can't not, you know, and the Shea Moisture thing, the low porosity, I wish I remembered the exact name, but the low porosity line that they have is working for me. Who knows for how long? See, I have 3C, okay, which is the tighter of loose curls. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, everyone, there's a category system for curls. Yeah. And that's one thing that I think a lot of people are not aware of. My husband is white. And, you know, we want to have children someday. And I'm like, Kyle, I'm going to have to go through everything. (laughs) You know, like, you need to understand this because you may have to do our child's hair. You need to know what's going on. Oh, God, it was miserable. My dad had to do our hair. Oh, my gosh. My dad was the black one, Mm -hmm. but he's a guy. So, yeah. And all of my siblings, we all have different hair textures. Oh, interesting. Okay. So I'm the oldest and my hair is 3C, probably in between 3B, 3C. Okay. So I have a little larger curls, but they're definitely almost wavy curls. Okay. But small. My brother, I don't know. Do you remember Corbin Blue? Yeah, he was in High School Musical, right? Yes. You guys might not know this, but if you watch High School Musical or search Corbin Blue in the 2000s or something, Mm -hmm. he had that really, really tight coiled hair, almost that pencil perm. Yeah, yeah. That's my brother's hair. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. And then my sister after him, she has the most coarse hair out of all of us, but she also has the lightest color hair. I have the darkest color hair with loose curl Mm -hmm. and low porosity, Mm -hmm. but she has very coarse, gray, not not gray, caramel (laughs) colored highlights and stuff in her hair. It's nuts. Yeah, that's very interesting. You never know how mixed hair is going to turn out. (laughs) Yeah, I follow this account that I forget on Instagram, but it's these two sisters who are five or something. I think they have a year apart. Mm. And it's very interesting because I think their parents are different races. The mom is black and I don't know the race of the dad, but it's very cute because they're sisters, but one of them looks like she has 4C. So she has like a fro. Yeah. And then the other one has red. I don't even know. There's a slight curl to her hair. 
I don't even think it would be three. Wow. It's like more wavy and they're adorable and they look a lot alike. It's just their hair is definitely different. <laughs> Plus they're, you know, always dressing cute and stuff. But I just like that they also highlight their hair different. Yes. When you're mixed, you kind of have to celebrate your child not just because you should be celebrating your child, mm-hmm. but because there's so much cultural stigma inside and outside of the community towards certain things that you have to make sure your child is getting the affirmation that they need. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That is something that I wish, not even coming from a mixed household, but just I wish my parents kind of told me stuff about myself as a Black woman when I was younger because I had so much maybe even like self-hatred, you know, going to an all-white school, always having different hairstyles and people always commenting and making me feel like I was weird or bad or whatever, just like not worth it. Yeah. And that's why people have the whole movement about don't touch my hair, because especially when you're a teenager, it's like someone literally saying, you are extremely different Mm -hmm. and I must touch you because you are this different thing that doesn't belong that I've never seen yeah it's not a nice feeling yeah it's not a nice feeling and it's really one of those things that I hope as more people are educated about that younger people don't experience that as much especially if they are like one of the only black people in a white town or something yeah which I was one of few growing up okay no I remember In high school, there were definitely more Black people, but most of the time I would be the only Black person in the class. And then when I was younger, I don't even really remember any other Black people. So We had similar experiences and I wouldn't actually expect that. I still am dealing with stereotypes of different areas of the country that I didn't realize I had. Mm -hmm. I've talked on the podcast before that I thought the North was basically just this haven Mm -hmm. for people of color. (laughs) Oh, like there's no racism and people are liberal. Yeah, (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to find this welcoming community of just everybody of all ethnicities. And then I moved Mm -hmm. to West Michigan and discovered that the Midwest is kind of like the South. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think it really depends. But there are certain areas in California where I'd feel uncomfortable. Wow. Because I'm like, oh, okay you know like but there are also areas like in the bay area where i feel really comfortable and really excited one day to have a child and they go to a class where that's truly diverse well in my case they would be a mixed child you know like they wouldn't be the only one so yeah i guess it really depends where you are in california because i think california is known for being pretty liberal at least it is to me (laughs) yeah but when i grew up in sacramento it was not. <laughs> I wasn't aware of that until I was older. But when I was younger, I was just like, oh, something's wrong with me. Oh, I, oh, I don't look like everyone else or, you know. I hate that. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> I'm glad I've definitely been able to reflect on it. I don't think I'm holding anything from that anymore. I think it's one of those things that I hope parents are able to talk to their children because unfortunately, my parents were completely oblivious and just were like, oh, yeah, whatever. Oh, no. And then with the hair conversation, when I was getting my hair straightened, I was like, oh, good. I can't have it not straight because that's different. But then I would get my hair braided, which was also different. I haven't luckily had a lot of people say things to me that were awful. But I do remember when I was younger, people taunting or like teasing me. Yeah, I got teased a lot when my hair was natural 
even though it was till six. Like I remember mm. kindergarten was awful as far as people making fun of me. It's interesting because I didn't have it consistently, but like I remember maybe second grade, someone would say something to me or sixth grade, someone would say something to me. But then overall, I wouldn't have anyone say anything. So or at least not to my face. <laughs> I had good or just oblivious experiences where it's just like, oh, I'm not aware of anybody saying anything. However, I am aware of what the standard of beauty is, especially as a young girl. And people put such an emphasis on like Western standards of beauty. Oh, absolutely. What are you looking at? The TV? Yeah. People around you? How are you going to have a sense of being a beautiful Black woman when all you see are white people? Yeah, I'm sure this conversation has come up before, but I remember I would get these random catalogs sent to me at 12 or something, which I don't know how that was happening because I definitely never signed up and I definitely didn't pay. But it would be these random fashion catalogs that you could like, oh, I like this top. Let me call in the code and get it or something. Oh, I think I remember those. Yeah, I don't know how they had my information, but it would come to me and I'd look through the magazine or the catalog and it was always these really pretty white girls. And then there'd be one black girl, but she was definitely very fair. Mm. So maybe she might have been half black. Yeah. And I remember any magazine I would see, at least when I was younger, that was the only black person I would see. It would be somebody who was very fair and their hair was either straight or loose curls. And so I remember as a young black girl thinking like, oh, my skin is too dark because nobody else has dark skin. Media that I was consuming was very focused on white or at least lighter complexions. And that was hard because I think the lack of my parents talking to me mm -hmm. impacted me a lot. Like, I think if they had talked to me a little bit more, that wouldn't have been such a thing. But because I was getting a lot of my social norms or standards of beauty from media and the media I was consuming was very white or white focused. Yeah. And we're not saying that there's anything wrong with being white, but... Oh, yeah, no. I'm sure everyone listening is not ignorant to the fact that there has been a lack of diversity that has only really started to change in the last five to ten years. Mm -hmm. I remember when Lupita Nung... I'm going to mispronounce her last name. Oh, my gosh. Lupita Nyong'o. Thank you. <laughs> my favorite person in the world. Yes. When she came out... <laughs> I don't mean came out in... Just like when she became, yeah, when she became a star to us. That's when it felt like Black people had permission to talk mm -hmm. about the beauty of dark skin. She didn't come on the scene until very recently. Yeah. I don't think that parents even knew how to talk to their kids about these things because there was nothing really to point us to. You know, what I'll say is that I think that there are many Black Americans who grew up watching a lot of Black media. And that was it. I remember when I was really young, I used to watch Moesha oh, okay. with my older sister. Oh, or In Living Color. I watched The Proud Family. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or Living Single. These are very popular Black-focused television shows or cartoons, right? And I think there are a lot of Black films that many Black Americans are like familiar with. They're like, oh, yeah, I watched this. And I think a lot of them may have realized, oh, here are our Black stars. Yeah. But for me, 
And it might be also because my parents, since they're Nigerian, a lot of the media they were consuming was either white or they would get Nigerian movies sent to them. So they would just watch Nigerian. Oh my films. goodness. And that was it. Their culture as far as American stuff was very limited. So they weren't even watching Black American films. They were watching like Nigerian <laughs> films and that's it. And so for me, you know, I was watching things that my peers were watching and my peers were white. And so I wasn't familiar with Black American films. And that's something that I'm trying to correct as an adult now. There's a whole category of film that I just like missed out on, yeah. which also includes stars. Someone like Angela Bassett, I'm sure many people are like, this is a beautiful Black woman, right? But maybe she doesn't get talked about in other spaces as much until now, because I feel like everybody now realizes like, oh, you know who's gorgeous? <laughs> Angela Bassett. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I feel like now everyone is like, oh, yeah. But when you talk about Lupita Nyong'o, that's someone that I wish when I was younger, I knew about. I wish I had her as a idol or someone because like, yeah, because I think I idolize her now. And I'm pretty positive we are like six years apart, maybe, you know, like, like we are two grown people. <laughs> but I'm just like, wow, she's like my role model, you know, but it would have been nice to have as a young girl looking up to someone like that. And I'm sure there are definitely people who had that. But for me, I just missed out on it. You know, we're in the same age group. And I feel like we had close experiences and times of finding someone who is or would have been a great role model. Like Zendaya is younger oh. than me, but if I had Zendaya to look up to when I was younger, mm -hmm. that would have been amazing for me, but I didn't. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. in my family, we didn't watch black media. Mm. My dad was not the most self-loving. Okay. It, it's hard because my dad grew up during segregation and that is insane. Yeah. I think for some people who aren't aware of the South to think about. My dad was born in 1954. Mm. So he remembers having to sit in the top floor of theaters because that's where the Black people are allowed to sit. Mm. Uh, my uncles and aunts on that side went to a, one of the Black-only schools, and he went to one of the first integrated high schools. Mm. So when he grew up, it was very important to assimilate, Yeah, to be the non-threatening Black person, to be as white as possible, which is, how do you even describe that? Yeah. Yeah. So when it came to our hair and when we were growing up, if you look at my pictures, my mom did my hair like a little black girls, you know, with those like sectioned off braids and those yeah. animal barrettes. I definitely had that. <laughs> yeah. 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 So there are pictures of me with my hair all in barrettes and stuff because she was going to the black side of my family and saying, how do I take care of her hair? Mm -hmm. But even what they were saying was not true and not helping my hair because the products were too heavy Sure. I have very fine hair and I don't think people knew how dangerous relaxers were as far as absorbing chemicals through your scalp mm -hmm. at that time. Mm -hmm. So when I got my hair relaxed because I wanted to, I mean, I was jealous of the white girls and like their hair flowing, specifically sure. the, the fact that their hair blew in the wind. <laughs> I think that is definitely a thing that many Black people describe. Like they don't want their hair to be stiff. They want it to move. They want it to yeah. flow in the wind. And when you're six, you don't really have a concept of what self-hatred is. <laughs> sure. You just know you don't yeah. belong or you feel mm -hmm. like you don't belong. And so you want to do whatever you can to 
look like everybody else. So I got my hair relaxed and my mom was relieved because she knew straight hair. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's the white parent. She was like, I can do straight hair. So that's when everything changed. I went through periods of trying to do cornrows, but my hair is so fine that braids don't stay. Mm -hmm. And I tried to do a Mm sew-in one time, which is a weave. Yeah. And... (laughs) It fell out of my hair in a week. Really? Wow. In a week. (laughs) Which that's supposed to last some people. It lasts in what, like a month? Yeah. I mean, truly, it depends on who you're talking to because I definitely did weaves as well. Weaves were one of the last things I did before I went completely natural. And I was a college student. I didn't have a ton of money. Oh, weaves are hella expensive. Yeah, I was keeping that weave in for like three months, which probably (laughs) wasn't good. But I I knew I was like, oh, I don't have money to do my hair again. So I guess I have to maintain this. But yeah, (laughs) for me, protective styles, braiding, anything like that is really good for my hair because my hair will hold it, one. Yeah. And it helps prevent it from breaking because that's the one thing that I experience natural relaxed whatever my hair breaks very easily if I'm not careful Mm -hmm. that is something that I always had major difficulty when I was in high school straightening my hair using a flat iron to make it extra straight oh my gosh like having it way more hot than it needs to be exactly like (laughs) I've definitely had you know those videos where someone's like straightening their hair and it's too hot and then like a chunk of their hair comes out that's definitely happened to me. I just didn't record myself. You know, like, <laughs> things like that. To bring it back to like how I felt about my hair, I just thought, oh, my hair is bad. If whenever my roots would start to grow in, I thought that was bad. Yeah. I'm horrible. It needs to be straight. And I think I want to make sure I say this. If somebody is relaxing their hair, I think that is their decision. And I don't think it's bad at all. Like, I don't want to make it seem like, oh, it's the worst thing to do. Obviously, there are some risks if you don't do it correctly. It is a lot of chemicals and some of them are very dangerous. And I think for me, I was not doing it correctly because a lot of it was at home. A lot of it was, you know, when you relax your hair, you're supposed to do your roots because the rest of your hair is already relaxed. You're not supposed to overlap. Yeah so many times my hair was dunked oh mine too mine too (laughs) it's just horrible which is not good for your hair which would lead to breakage exactly but if you are relaxing your hair and you know what you're doing especially if you're going to like a salon and they're taking care of you I think that's good unfortunately I did not have that (laughs) set up people don't understand that to take care of black hair is a almost a privilege Mm -hmm. because to get a relaxer done when you actually need it at a salon, we're talking 80 to a hundred dollars. Overall, I think for most people, they know it's expensive. And I think it depends obviously on your household. If you can afford that. Yeah. In my household, we were definitely like middle class. We didn't really struggle that much, but when it came to I think my hair would be considered a luxury cost, Mm -hmm. even though I definitely felt like I had to do it. So it seemed like maybe it should have been more of a necessity. But anyway, (laughs) the budget for that was like, oh, no, that's too expensive. We need to get a box kit. Yeah. And those box kits are crazy. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, oh, no, we're not going to the salon this time. You need to relax your hair. And it's like, okay. The lack of knowledge about my hair. I mean, I still feel like today I'm learning things about my hair. Oh, absolutely. But especially 
yeah, especially before I stopped relaxing my hair, I knew nothing about my hair. And I think that's just truly, if I had grown up maybe in a predominantly black neighborhood, maybe I would have been more educated, you know, or at least known some more about it. But I think where I grew up with my parents is like, I knew absolutely nothing except I thought my natural hair is bad. Yeah. I didn't do the big chop until I was, again, 20. I was in college at that time. Mm -hmm. And I actually just recently talked to the person who gave me my first tips. She is a Haitian artist. Mm -hmm. She's absolutely amazing. I will take any and every opportunity to promote her because she does sing and teach traditional Haitian dance. Okay. But how often do you see that? We have a lot of Haitian immigrants And people don't really realize that. And, you know, even if you're African in Mm -hmm. descent, I'm saying from my point of view, not so much yours because you're first generation Nigerian, right? Yeah. First generation American parents are Nigerian. All I know is that my Black is African. For a lot of specifically African Americans who don't have a culture, sometimes you reach for whatever culture Mm -hmm. is around you that is closest. And I think her teaching Haitian dance and stuff like that also gives Black people a home. But she taught me the first things about doing my hair. She taught Mm -hmm. me about co-washing and how often I should wash my hair because that's a thing you have to learn and figure out is how often your hair needs to be Mm -hmm. cleaned or a cleansing shampoo. It's crazy when you think about that and you're having at 20 to one, discover what your hair really looks like and (laughs) how to take care of it. Yeah, I definitely felt because I did go through a hair transition. Uh, I didn't cut my hair initially. I was letting my new growth grow out. And then I was doing styles to prevent breakage. Because the problem, in case anybody's not familiar, why people decide to do the big chop is that if you were to say, you know what, I'm just going to go natural now. And you have your natural hair growing, and then it turns into the relaxed ends, they could break off yes. and your hair will be uneven. And so a lot of people, when they're transitioning, they do specific styles to prevent that. And then they eventually cut the ends off. I just shave my hair down to an inch. <laughs> yes. Or, or yes. Or the other case is like, oh, I don't care. And then just like, let me cut all of it. For me, I definitely went through a period of, okay, let me like try to maintain the length that I have, because I think that's a whole other conversation many people like women in general are told oh you have to have long hair oh yeah the pressure to have long hair no matter what culture you're in is a big thing women should have long glorious hair yes and so i remember when i was relaxing my hair and it would break my hair and i think this is something that many people experience the longest it would be would be like above my shoulder mine was a a little below my collarbone i couldn't get it past there oh really yeah i think many people who might have some struggles with growing their hair or preventing it from breaking find a length that's like okay i can get it here and that's when it starts to break yeah But then when I was transitioning my hair, definitely was like, oh, I want to maintain the length. But at a certain point, I was like, okay, it's starting to break. I need to cut it. Luckily, I had mid-range, so I was able to only cut a little bit. Mm -hmm. But as far as length goes, even today... 
because I have 4C, I think 4C experiences the most shrinkage. And, you know, there are definitely things you could do to try to lengthen your hair without heat. And I was doing that. Today, <laughs> I am so lazy that I don't do any of that. Because I just, <laughs> I truly still went through an experience of like, I was so obsessive about my appearance, not beyond just my hair, that it was unhealthy. It was just like, I was always looking in the mirror. I was always trying to figure out how to be perfect and look a certain way that a few years ago, I was like, oh, I have to stop. I may have gone to another extreme where I'm just like, "Eh, whatever. These (laughs) pants have holes in them. Whatever. Oh, no. That might be like another extreme. I need to reel it back in. But overall, I definitely feel happier not obsessing about my looks as much as I used to. And when it comes to my hair, that is something that I have also decided as well. So I'm natural, but I also don't do a lot. Right. You know, I I think I mentioned earlier, I don't go to salons and that's more because of my anxiety. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because one thing I've experienced with salons, I don't love like a lot of talking and stuff. It makes me like really anxious. And everybody's always so nice. So I don't want to make it sound like I had like a bad experience. Someone was mean to me or something. You know, you're going there unless you want to be completely rude. You need to be talking. That's the nice thing to do. And for me, I'm just like, oh, this is a little overwhelming. I haven't really been able to find a combination of somebody who I wouldn't feel like I was being rude to by completely shutting down. You know, like I don't, I don't want to do that. And because I'm so low maintenance with my hair at this point, I'm just like, you know, I do like trim my hair. But yeah, I I definitely think the salon culture is something that I know definitely when I have a child, they will go to a salon, you know, and I hope that they don't have the anxiety stuff that I have because I want them to feel comfortable and be able to get their hair done regularly and feel good about their hair. And again, it's it's a unique cultural experience Mm -hmm. to Black people. It might be in other salons. Like I said, I don't know how other races kind of treat that. Yeah. But because Black salons are such a separate thing in the US, it does have its own separate culture. Mm -hmm. But that does also kind of lead that pressure to look perfect is like a huge thing in the black community Mm. like your hair is kind of a mark of what kind of woman you are Mm. unfortunately and it comes from other women most of the time too when I went from being natural to straightening my hair now Mm. I didn't get any pressure from any black people but I felt like I was betraying the natural community by straightening my hair and I don't chemically straighten it Mm-hmm. I blow dry and straighten my hair. It's a whole big deal. So I had anxiety. There's so much pressure. Once you pick if you're going to be natural or if you're going to be relaxed, whatever, there's mm-hmm. a lot of pressure online if you ever change it. Yeah, I have noticed that, which that again, that's the thing. I feel like everyone should do what's best for their hair and for their situation. If you find that relaxing your hair is the best for you that's the easiest way for you to maintain it as long as you're doing it in a healthy way that's great like you figured something out for you right right I think it's so odd when people are like oh you're not natural or oh you're na-, like whatever the judgment may be and then if you decide to switch it up because 
you realize, oh, you know what? Natural actually didn't work out for me. Yeah. That, that is very interesting that some people are like a little bit judgmental about that because I think you do you, you know, like you do what's <laughs> best for you. You're not more of a black person because you decided to go natural. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because that's exactly what it is sometimes. People think that in order to share your black beauty is to share your, your hair in its natural state. And I understand it because we don't have a specific culture. Black American culture has been developing over the last few years. When you have a culture like that, you you look for whatever you can. Of course. Yeah. And I think that for me, like as much as I grew up like in Sacramento, predominantly white, there was 10 months where I moved to Atlanta, Georgia. Whoa. And that was like the first time I was like, oh, my gosh, everyone's black. Here. <laughs> like, I was just like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> like this, this is a place like I, I just didn't know yes. <laughs> that because I was 10 and, you know, my experience was in Sacramento and as much as I was like, oh, this is like interesting. I don't feel singled out. There are definitely different issues that everyone experiences, regardless mm -hmm. if you're black or if you're mixed or like in my parents' situation, when they moved to Atlanta, they noticed that some people didn't want to talk to them because they're African. I was going to say that's another interesting thing. I have older half siblings and my older brother he came to America in like the mid 2000s and he would tell me, he's like, yeah, you know, like some people don't want to talk to me because I'm Nigerian. And I'm like, what? Like, I just didn't know that was a thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now being older, I'm not trying to say, you know, I get it. That's okay. It's, it's not okay. <laughs> but I do understand like some people's, oh, that's different. I would just hope that people would educate themselves to being open to learning about that difference regardless of what it may be well some people are just bitter like you got to stay in the motherland i think like, <laughs> this is how awkward it is for me i don't it's hard no no, no I, I understand what you're saying it's like oh okay and i think there's also some discrimination because i've heard nigerians say things about black americans yes yes i have heard that too there's definitely this dynamic of like, I think the stereotypical viewpoint is like, oh, you think you're better because you're Nigerian. or And, I, and I've noticed that sometimes some Black Americans won't identify as being like a Black American. They'll say like, oh, yeah. well, I'm actually this and whatever. And it's like, okay, that's great. <laughs> For me, especially because I'm first generation American, I'm like, well, I'm American. I'm a Black American, I'm a Nigerian American, and I'm assuming most people who approach me aren't going to know I'm Nigerian. Right. They're just probably going to assume that you're African American. Exactly. Which has been an assumption. And I'm just like, yeah, you would assume that. Like, I, I'm, I'm not ever going to be mad at someone and, or try to correct them. But when you get to know me, of course, you're going to know my history and where I come from and where my family comes from. It, it is very interesting you know, there's so much to Blackness and there's so much history in America and all these different nuances. And it's crazy that something as seemingly arbitrary as hair mm -hmm. can lead to all these other little nuances, how you speak, how you dress, mm -hmm. how you even like gesticulate 
because or move your arms when you're talking yeah. because that's completely different as well. Yeah. I I realized that one thing that we didn't even discuss and it's probably because of my own personal experience is that how hair, especially black hair is viewed as depending on how you style it, professional or not professional. Oh, yeah. And for me, going natural in California in the Bay, well, I went natural before we moved to the Bay Area, but I'm in the Bay Area now. And, you know, I worked at a social media company in a management role and my hair was never anything to talk about. It was never like, oh, thank God. I thought you were about to tell me something. Oh, no, I'm saying my personal experience has been uh, at least I haven't felt discriminated in a professional way about my hair and going natural. I never thought, oh, maybe if I go into a professional setting, they're going to look at me differently. But I definitely know that's an experience that many Black people experience throughout America. I mean, I've had it. There oh. are two specific instances that I remember. One, when I had done the big chop, I was job searching. Mm-hmm. And I could not get a job. I even had one job that asked me if I could straighten my hair and I walked out. Wow. Okay. I kind of buckled because money and straightened my hair for an interview. I got that job Mm -hmm. on the spot as soon as I straightened my hair. Mm. And then I came into work curly and didn't say a word about it (laughs) because I was already in, you know, but my last job I had I wore my hair natural the whole time I was there. Mm-hmm. And I only used to straighten my hair for when I was getting it cut. Mm-hmm. So it would be even. So I went to work with straight hair. And my boss looked at my hair and goes, oh, your hair looks so clean. Yeah, that's the... Okay, I was about to curse. I had to stop myself. That's the stuff that I find so frustrating and I wish would stop yeah. because that is a horrible thing when people say things like that. I would go to a salon that had a white hairstylist oh. and she gave me a discount because she was like, I don't know how to do black hair. Oh God. I would like to learn. So if you let me work with your hair, I will charge you like half the price. Like I won't really charge you much. And me being broke, I was like, yeah, okay. And she would strain my hair first before she would trim it. Uh And she was actually, for someone who didn't have a lot of experience, she wasn't bad. So that's good. And I'm glad that she, hopefully she continued to do that so that she can have as many clients as possible, you know. But I think when I had like straight hair, I would get like, oh, your hair looks really nice. Yeah. And it's like thanks was it not nice before exactly and i i never had anyone say anything like clean because that straight up i would be furious well i was so surprised i looked over at the person who was in the office with me who was a white woman Mm -hmm. and i looked at her and i knew she knew that was not a good response but i I was so shocked Mm -hmm. i well i wash my hair every three days Mm -hmm. every three days and I was just like, whatever, I'm done with this conversation. And I kind of just like exited because yeah. I was upset and just blindsided. Yeah. But uh, the next day I, when I came in with curly hair, my boss goes, oh, what happened to your hair? And I just looked at him and said, I washed it. And <laughs> just like that. Yeah. <laughs> like truly, that's a hard situation because obviously it's your boss. Oh, I said it with way too much attitude. I I was done. 
Yeah, I hate that. I, I, I haven't had anybody say anything like that to me, but I have had people be over, like, I, I'm able to read in between the lines, like, you are complimenting me way too much about my uh-huh. straight hair. Therefore, you're implying you should keep it like this. Mm. <laughs> it's just like, okay, yeah, that's maybe it does look nice straight. That's that's totally fine. But you know that I normally have my hair curly. Yes. So you being silent when my hair is curly. I actually don't even really like when people compliment me on anything. I, I'd rather people not <laughs> talk to me about my appearance in, as a whole. But like socially, that's an extreme you know (laughs) but yeah it was one of those things like even when I got married I was like should I straighten my hair and I was like no I just wore a fro I was like no I'm not gonna do that good on you just be true to yourself it's all matters yeah yeah it's hard because you get these things remember to speak about Zendaya she wore faux locks years ago I remember that yes and then like Juliana Ranzig with E said mm-hmm. something like oh she looks like she smells like this or whatever like weed she says she looks like she smells like weed okay yes that was yep. it and it's one of those things where it's like the fact that you felt so comfortable saying that on national television <sighs> clearly is a reflection on the fact that you are like yeah this is acceptable locks are bad and i'm gonna say something about it but then the minute someone else wears it it's like oh they're being innovative well you like the kardashian effect yeah Yeah, that mm -hmm. that is very difficult as well because i think you know with the cultural appropriation and stuff for me and everybody has the right to feel whichever way for me do i get mad if somebody who's white wears braids no me either yeah i i definitely understand someone's viewpoint of maybe finding it to be you know you're appropriating a different culture for me i feel i feel like no it's fine you can wear braids the problem i have is when it's like you know who really invented braids (laughs) (laughs) uh kylie jenner yeah i know (laughs) thanks okay or even adopting different features that are like prominent a lot in black people yeah where it's like Oh, you know whose lips are gorgeous and full? Angelina Jolie. And it's like, okay. Yeah. But I can name like a hundred black women who also have full lips who are beautiful, but you never talk about their lips. Why is that? I just want to explain why I sound so frustrated. I have not had this topic oh. and I find it very frustrating. Not that I haven't had this topic, mm-hmm. but this part very frustrating because there are two ways to look at this argument. There are people who have different perspectives Mm -hmm. and I am, you are, you are welcome to your perspective, but the problem for a lot of people is if they were to go to work, like going back to black hairstyles being work appropriate, Mm -hmm. if my friend who goes to an office wore locks to work, would they make her change her hair? Mm -hmm. And then you have someone in a place of privilege calling box braids i don't know what in the world they called it but something that was not box braids do you remember i don't know what like the kardashians are such a hard thing for me (laughs) yeah and then calling it that like it like like it's something new and like it's okay but there are black people who are actually struggling and wanting to wear black hairstyles Mm -hmm. that can't do it and that's what's frustrating and if you find yourself in a conversation with a black person and you are not black at all please 
please listen with empathy because it is very hard to watch certain aspects of your culture be glorified only in the media and then you try to do it in your everyday life and you're told you can't be that way yeah it's very it's very frustrating yes and i think for me because you know i I try to hear what people are saying about it and i and i definitely understand somebody who's like absolutely not if you're not black don't even think about doing xyz right yeah i think it's reactionary it's yeah and i definitely get that but for me my issue is more of the acknowledgement yeah i remember gosh i think kim kardashian had like cornrows once and we're creating i haven't even seen this movie but i think the movie's called 10 and it stars two white people and one of them her name's bo derrick and she in the yeah in the 70s i think she was one of like the first white women in hollywood or whatever in a movie to wear cornrows and everyone's like whoa what's this new style what like you know like what do you mean new style like they definitely got that hairstyle from yeah black people i don't know if that movie acknowledged that or if they were like oh yeah i did it because i saw a black person do it but the issue is kim kardashian does it and then it's like yeah my inspiration is bo Derek. no or like because <laughs> i remember I forget what magazine it was, but I remember they're like, try to recreate Kylie Jenner's innovative braids or something like that. Like something like giving her credit for coming up with braiding her hair. I don't know if you guys who are listening know how fresh, like <laughs> this will bring me to tears. This is so frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. I, <sighs> yeah it's, it's very annoying. They have blatantly stolen Kim Kardashian has blatantly (laughs) stolen from a black fashion designer who is trying to get her way into like industry commercial space into the industry and she stole her designs and I don't think there was any kind of retribution or anything but yeah I I don't know that whole thing when it comes to hair especially it's very unfortunate that there are black people who can't have their natural hairstyles or even just like a hairstyle that's not pinned straight Mm -hmm. without impacting them professionally like it seems to for a lot of people and I think I've just been lucky that I've been you know in spaces that that doesn't happen but I know there are definitely people who are like I would love to wear a fro but I can't yeah and I feel like that should be talked about more because I don't know like I don't want to end this on a a downer (laughs) on a down note because this definitely, I know, is super emotionally charged. Mm-hmm. And anytime you're going to have a conversation like this, it's going to be emotionally charged because there are just a lot of feelings. Yeah. But it's so difficult when people just taking these things and gentrifying them. Yeah. I, I The kindest way I can say it. I'm not sure what the statistics are now, but I remember... Because I used to be very interested in like learning about different marketing tactics. I don't have that much of an interest today. But (laughs) I remember it was something like whenever there was a black woman on a magazine cover, statistically, it sold less because I guess white people, specifically like white women, would view it and be like, oh, that's not for me. Yeah. Versus many black people pick up magazines with white people on it all the time. You know, like. Yeah, I am a human woman. (laughs) Exactly. It's like, oh, maybe I'll be interested in whatever project they're promoting. I think that statistic has changed now. 
I just remember it maybe 15 years ago. That was the thing that I read. People who aren't Black would see a Black person magazine and be like, oh, I'm not supposed to do this or I'm not supposed to engage with that. And it's like, why not? Yeah. Maybe they might have some tips, some beauty tips that don't apply to you. Well, welcome to the club because yeah. there's been so many times I've heard beauty tips. That I'm like, nah, that's not that's not for me. Let me keep turning the page, you know? <laughs> and I do want to acknowledge my privilege mm-hmm. as a very light-skinned mixed person. Mm-hmm. I do acknowledge the fact that I can fly under the radar of sorts mm-hmm. sometimes. So I just want to say that I do acknowledge that I have the privilege sometimes of blending in white spaces when my hair is straightened or sure. things like that. But I do have experiences when my hair is curly and you become a novelty. Yeah. And I just wish that, you know, I have white friends and like my husband is white and has definitely asked me questions about my hair. And I'm like, oh, I need to tell you everything because you need to know what's going on with my hair. Especially because if my future children have hair that resembles mine, you should know. Yeah. It's going to take some kind of experimenting and seeing how their hair deals with things. And yeah, absolutely. they might be tender headed. Yeah. There's a lot that goes into it and has a very steep learning curve. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But I think people can learn. Yes. I think I was watching Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Or not, it's not for a straight guy anymore. It's just Queer Eye. And they had a person on a Black woman who, I forget what the term is called, but she had experienced a lot of breakage due to like specific hairstyles. Mm. Jonathan Van Ness, the hairstylist guy who is a white man, you know, is like, okay, this is what I know about black hair and about what you're experiencing. And they also brought in a black woman who also talked about her experience as well. And in that moment, I was like, I know Jonathan Van Ness maybe doesn't know a lot about black hair, right? Yeah. But at least he's starting to learn. Yes. Which is good. If his profession is hair, he should know hair, all hair, right? I hope somebody who is white or just not black or who has no experience with black hair who watched that episode was like, oh, I know nothing about black hair. Maybe I should try to learn so I don't ask dumb questions or try to touch someone's hair. And mixed hair, too, because I always have to ask. Mm -hmm. I always have to ask whether I'm going to a black hair salon or a white hair salon. I have to ask both if they have experience with mixed hair because I've had black hairstylists try to destroy my hair (laughs) with the flat iron too high. Really? Yeah. See, that's that's a unique experience I wouldn't even have thought about until you said that, but that's true. It's so complicated and looks and things like this are very important when they're used as cultural identifiers. Mm -hmm. And obviously there are lots of feelings (laughs) involved. Yeah, I think hair for anyone can be a touchy subject. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to black hair or mixed hair or just hair that has really defined curl patterns, because for whatever reason, what we've accepted is pin straight is the way to be or whatever. It could be very difficult because they're like, okay, well, this is how my hair naturally grows. What am I supposed to do? You can straighten it and that's totally fine. But also, if you decide not to, I hope that in the future we grow as a society where that decision isn't met with what's wrong with your hair? Why is it this? Or, oh, you can't work here with hair like that. I hope we're getting to a place now where it's like, I don't care what your hair is doing. (laughs) You're going to work. You know, like that's none of my business. 
black women are policed on their appearance and black women are policed on their hair and we police ourselves too that is true i (laughs) I remember when i first was wearing my fro out this young boy who was black and he was with his mom and he maybe let's say he was six i'm not great with ages so he could have been like (laughs) a tiny child yeah yeah. (laughs) a tiny human yeah (laughs) but he pointed at me and he's like oh why does she have her hair why does she have her hair out like that why is it nappy like that he just said it out loud like like I'm going into my car (laughs) like I just left I don't know Starbucks or something and I'm going into my car and he said that and I was like first off he's young so I'm not gonna try to get mad at yeah I mean little kids say stupid stuff all the time his mom was silent (laughs) and I was just like okay let me just keep moving and then his next question was like Mom, why don't you do natural hair? Oh, God. And I was like, okay, so this guy's just questioning everyone. Like, <laughs> just, it's like, literally, like, trying to, like, start something with someone. Bless this I don't poor know little baby's art. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, okay, what's happening right now? And, you know, I think it's one of those things where it's like, I haven't had a Black person tell me, oh, you shouldn't do your hair like this. Yeah. But in my family, I have had, you know, maybe when I went natural, my older sister saying, like, when are you going to do your hair? Yeah. And I'm like, done. I just leaving it curly. She's like, what curl? What curl? Because I mean, because again, I have 4C hair. So I think that's the other thing. Yeah, sometimes there isn't a defined curl pattern. Yeah. I, a lot of people who think of natural curly afros think of like these huge afros with defined curls. And with 4C, you could definitely achieve that with like certain styling and like. That takes forever. The, the curl pattern itself is a zigzag. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a spiral curl. It is an entity unto itself that can look very, very cool. Yeah. 4C hair can pull off some things that I wish I could pull off. Yeah, it, it really depends on how you style it. You could do yeah. so many things. But my sister, I remember her being like, so why are you not doing your hair? And I'm like, <gasps> no, I did it. Like, it was like this weird conversation. I'm like, no, my hair is done because she was very used to like either relaxing or braiding her hair, like never having it out like that. Yeah. And that was like the cultural norm in what the, the 80s and 90s has only been very recently that the natural hair movement per se has been a thing. Yeah. It's very interesting because I watched the show that was set in the 2000s and they showed a black girl and she had natural hair. That was not the 2000s. (laughs) And I was like, "Mm." even though I don't think that's accurate. Yeah. You know what? That's nice. Because most of the time on TV, they won't show somebody with natural hair. That's true. So I'm like, okay, that's fine if you're not (laughs) era correct. But that's that's okay. And I have noticed that too, that it does seem like even if you are a white person who doesn't understand natural hair, there are white people who are like, oh, maybe she should have curly hair. Maybe we shouldn't have her in pin straight hair, this one character. And that is interesting because you get to see different types of hair. Like with black women, I used to only see one type of hairstyle. And now I feel like you see different types all the time. I mean, there's definitely been progress. And depending on how you look at it, it's been very fast or it's been a slow crawl. But Mm -hmm. we're definitely in a better place than when we were growing up. I definitely think so. I definitely think we have room to improve. But I think when I look at media today, I feel like I'm seeing some difference when it comes to hair, when it comes to black models or actors. I'm, I'm seeing some 
there's always room for improvement. Yes. Despite this crazy cultural climate, mm. this area of the media is coming to a somewhat healthier look yeah. at people and beauty, which I can be grateful for. Yeah, that's something that like I said before, Lupita Nyong'o is my idol. I am trying to get a poster of her framed in my house. Like, I just like <laughs> one of the most beautiful people in the world. And I think I identify with her specifically because she would be like the exact person when I was young who would have made me feel more confident. Yeah. I just think she's like amazing. So yeah. <laughs> but someone like her, it's just nice seeing or even like seeing her in uh, Us earlier this year. Like, yes. Oh my like, gosh, that was amazing. Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> I, I, I just buy because I'm like, Lupin Young is amazing. So I just love everything she do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll tag her a million times and see if she notices this, <laughs> this episode. Yeah. Really, I would probably die. Like, <laughs> I'm really just trying to get like a poster of her. It's weirdly odd trying to get a poster of her. I guess it's hard to get posters that aren't movie posters. I'm glad that you have that person. And, you know, like you said, you're very close in age and you're both adults, but sometimes you've got to work backwards. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You gotta do what you gotta do. And she's my role model. And we are definitely six years apart. And that's okay. <laughs> like, yeah. And this conversation is so nuanced. And I swear we could probably talk about five more hours sure. just <laughs> on this. <laughs> but maybe we'll have to bring you back to talk about some other things. <laughs> anytime or continue the conversation yeah absolutely for now do you want to tell everybody where they can find you oh yeah i host a podcast called offstream babble if you want to connect on social media i'm on twitter instagram and facebook at offscreen babble and our podcast is a tv and movie podcast where we review new tv shows and new movies every week and i will link your social media your twitter and your instagram in the show notes so you guys can everybody can find you is there anything else you're doing any projects you want to plug nothing yet i am working on something that's related to off-screen babble that i will probably try to release maybe by the end of the year or the beginning of the year so that's kind of like a vague lookout <laughs> thing maybe <laughs> but otherwise well, follow the social media and you'll get a surprise sometime yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining me in this conversation. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's, it's been good. And like I said, I would love to have you back to continue. Yeah, anytime. All right, well, thank you so much. 